AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Today I talk with actor Lorenz Tate. Menace to society. Why do fools fall in love? Dead presidents, the Inkwell, Love Jones, and Girls Trip are just a few of the films Tate has starred in. It's a family affair. He and his two older brothers, Laron and Lamard, have been acting since the 1980s. The three all have roles in Bronzeville, a dramatic series podcast that the brothers co-produced with fellow actor Lawrence Fishburne. The series just started its second season. Zeke, Willie? Miss Lisa? Sis, I need to come in. What's going on? Is something wrong? Yeah, it's Jesse. He's been arrested. What? There was a shootout last night. Now, he's okay, but they holding him without bail. I got Clark Foreman working on to push the judge. Who was it? Seems like it was Sammy Manetti's man. I thought he was gone. Yeah, he split town, but it looks like he's still gunning for us. Hey, man, good to see you. Brother Ed, you know I respect, adore you. We love you. For my brothers, the entire Tate family, man, you are our big, big brother. I was going to say, we should let everybody know that I am the honorary Tate brother in the crew. (laughs) (laughs) Man, it's important for people to know uh, the relationship, man, you have been always an inspiration to me and my brothers, um, you know, for everything that you've done, man. I just want to take a quick moment to give you your flowers. Um, you know, we've been following your career for so long and to be able to become friends and create a brotherhood um, of mutual respect, man. It's, uh, you know, it's such a blessing, man. And I want to just say thank you for all the things you've done over the years for our culture, man, for our people, man. Um, and truly making your your mark um, in journalism, man. We uh, we salute you, and we're giving you your your flowers, King. I appreciate that, man. And you know what's funny, man? Um, what the pandemic has done. We were talking about that before we got on. What right. the pandemic has done for all of us is it's changed our routine so and our lives so that you know uh, 
this isn't just an act. Whenever we're somewhere, we hang out together. And I'm yeah. not I've not hung out with y'all in so long. You know, we catch up at lunch when I'm in LA or whatever we can do. And that's just one of the things that falls by the wayside, man. And, and you know, as we look at this last year, these are the things that we can't take for granted. Absolutely, man. We can't take that. Uh, you know, it's important um, in this time to, to social distance, man, but it really has put us in a a different place in a different space because we can't connect with the people that we typically would want to sit down and spend that kind of time with without having to go through a ton of testing and you know, the mask and a whole thing that, we, that, that we're, we're subject to do now. I want to talk a little bit about your career because what's been interesting to me is if you look at the, that front line of people like Denzel or Lawrence Fishburne or, you know, uh, those cats, um, who were who were out there, and then you look the generation behind them. So they've had longevity, right? Lawrence mm-hmm. and, and and Denzel and others. That right. next generation didn't always have the same longevity that they right. had. Though you have been able to do that, what do you think it is that has allowed you to kind of stay in this race? Well, I certainly believe that we are standing on the shoulders of brothers that sisters who have come before us, whether it's the Denzels of the world, the Lawrence Fishburns, the, um, you know, the Angela Bassett's, you name it. Um, we really are standing on the, their, their shoulders. And, um, you know, I come from a, a generation where, you know, things, the industry began to sort of change a little bit. I mean, we still were able to do um, some really interesting things in, in projects, but, you know, I felt like um, a lot of people in my generation just kind of got caught up in the whole, you know, the minutia of entertainment and the fast life, you know what I mean? Um, which is, you know, one of the things that my mother and father always told me, you know, my brothers and I, Ronald Lamar, to just understand that you know, we don't control this industry, people that look like us. Um, so you got to always keep your eyes and ears open and you want to run the marathon. The sprint is, is are you in this for the sprint, just for the, you know, to be quickly recognized, to be famous and to make a quick buck? Or do you want to do this because the passion is there and you love what you're doing and all the things that come with it, that you'd be willing to go through the highs and the lows of what that is. and um, they also just wanted uh, to, to make sure that we knew how to deal with those highs and lows. And family was always a really big thing, that support group. And I feel like a lot of people in my generation um, may not have come um, from that, that family structure or they didn't have that family support thrown into an industry or entering an industry that is, uh, you know, riddled with landmines and, you know, um, you know, hurdles and things that can get you caught up. Um, and I wanted to avoid those as much as I possibly could. It's not easy and it isn't easy. But I look at the careers of the people that you, you mentioned and even those before um, the, the careers of, um, you know, whether it was Harry Belafonte or Sidney Portier or you know, Richard Pryor, looking at all of those, you know, Ozzy Davis and Ruby D, looking at like, they had some really, you know, great careers and, you know, you would see them pop up every now and again, even in their, you know, um, latter days. And I said, I said to myself, like, I want to keep doing this until, you know, I'm an uh, older, you know, gentleman. I would love to, to continue to, to work because, you know, the older I get, the more, um, Hopefully, I was thinking the more opportunities I could have that would challenge me. It's not always the case when people like us don't run the, the in, in industry. But um, I just wanted to, to run the marathon, man. I just wanted to run the marathon. I just saw a lot of people in my industry, my generation, just you get caught up in, you know, a, a, the fast life and was in it for all the wrong reasons. I'm going to ask you this in, in the same way people ask me. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting because I think that when you're the person, you don't always see it the same way, but, um, you have had a career that really speaks to the, the split in Hollywood, in, in my opinion. 
So for black folk, you are a list, right? Everybody knows you. Everybody loves you. They can cite your movies. They can cite your characters. For mainstream America, they may know you, but they don't see you in that same way. People have said the same for me. I'm wondering how you see that. Does it at all any time bother you? Are you good with being that kind of A-list Black active for Black America and I'm getting paid and I'm doing, you know, good work and I'll live with that? I remember calling our buddy um, uh, Omari Hardwick when he didn't get nominated and I said, dude, don't let that bother you, right? Ghost has become such a seminal character to Black folk. Just because they don't see it doesn't mean it's not important. I wonder how you see it. Um, that's a very good question. Um, and I, I do think that you can relate to this because in journalism, I mean, the careers of the people that we see on all these networks today, I mean, they were in generations. These are generations before I was born and they're still around and they're still doing things. And you are one of the finest you know, um, journalists uh, that we, we, we have. And so I know you totally understand it. And what you mean to us is, um, is so important and valuable. And I use the word valuable um, because we have to really center it on that, the value. Where do you value yourself? Mm-hmm. And I do believe that um, our community has embraced me in a way that, um, so-called mainstream Hollywood would embrace their A-listers. Um, and it's not always the same. I think that, you know, there are a few, um, you know, actors and actresses and producers and directors that come from our community that has um, the approval of the mainstream to say, okay, you can be over here with us. Okay, meaning we'll acknowledge you at with our highest honors, whether it's the Oscars or the Golden Globes, the Indies or the Grammys, and you can you we we acknowledge you. Um, but for me, I feel like I have a combination of it. It's really interesting. I feel like those uh, in the mainstream Hollywood, my my peers, if you will, or or the people who are in my generation, they recognize it. Mm-hmm. The actors and actresses recognize it. It's the gatekeepers. It's the people who are making the decision in the boardrooms who decide who is valuable to their company and their in- entities and who isn't valuable. And what's beautiful about our community, we, they, they, they place a lot of value and it's unconditional. Mm-hmm. I think that there's conditions that are set on us in the community when it comes to mainstream industries and entities and institutions, I be- believe that, you know, it's not unconditional. It's based on conditional and what they decide and what they think is valuable to, to them. But it's nice to be celebrated by our own. It's nice to be recognized by our own. And to me, it means more. Yeah. Because I've really quick. I just been in the, in the industry long enough that it's great to 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 be um, in mainstream projects and do things. But once I kind of stop looking for the approval of people who don't look like me and don't come from my community, I'm okay. I don't look for the approval, and I'm it okay. It does take a. It does take at some point. At least it did for me. To be honest, you do have to have a conversation with yourself because you yeah. see other people that you know you're better than. Right. And they're getting a bigger check. They're getting bigger opportunities. And you know you're better. Ego aside, you're just better. <laughs> Have you had that conversation with yourself? Well, yeah. I've, I've had. And one of the things for me, I feel like I'm in no competition with no, no one except myself. And I'm like, you would have, you know, I would think for the, the amount of time that I've been working and the amount of time that things I've been doing that I don't have to um, continue to, you know, jump through the loops and the hoops to prove that I'm reliable, that I'm dependable. I'm the person that you can count on. I'm going to be there. I'm going to 
give you 150%. I'm going to give you 1,000% of what I can bring to the, the, the craft and the professionalism and, you know, to understand and, and, and an open mind to um, look for the, you know, the common, you know, good of a project. Um, you know, I, I think I've been, you know, uh, moving with integrity as you have in your career, moving with tons of integrity. You would think that, you know, folks that would allow um, or that we can have more opportunities. And my thing is continue to stick to the plan, continue to create the strategies that you make the necessary steps that will keep you running, keep you running, keep you going. And, and, and as a result, you know, the real people who really care about what I'm doing and really value what I've been able to do, you know, we, we continue to work. We are, you know, and, I'm, and that's what it's about. I'm continuously working and doing what I love to do and, you know, sharing what I have um, with the world. And I'm happy that people continue to want to work with me and want to hire me and want to be involved, man. And to me, whatever, whether it's in our community or mainstream, you know, I'm, I'm keeping the same strategy, strategy and the same steps. Here's what's amazing about what you do, and you're very adept at this. And many actors are not, uh, if, I'm not going to say they're not adept, but they're not given the opportunity. You have not been so typecast that you can't play a good guy, a sweet guy, the loving guy, and the bad guy. You've been able to puzzle piece both of them together. What does that say to you for what you've been able to do? Because most people can't do that or not, or they're not allowed to do that. I should say. Yeah. Sometimes we, we aren't allowed to it. Um, and for me, um, I've been able to work with you know, creatives who see that, um, uh, my capabilities that I'm able to, to stretch and I'm able to do the things, uh, as an artist that, um, would allow me to, not have a specialty really. I feel like I could do a little bit of it all. I could play the good guy. I could play you know, guy, the guy, the, the bad guy, a sinister guy, a romantic guy. I could have a little, um, the guy who is, you know, has a little quirkiness about him or, you know, I feel like I'm able to do a bit of it all. And I kind of see myself as a chameleon in that way, um, that I'm able to look, do a little bit of, of everything. And, you know, fortunately, I haven't been typecast or held to a certain kind of role um, because I'm always you know, talking to people and letting them know what I like to do and having a choice. Uh, oftentimes, we as artists don't have a, a choice, especially when you are trying to pursue your dreams and, you know, you're always having to be um, have, you, you need the approval of someone else to hire you. <laughs> That's why so many people are now creating their own pathways. Um, so we're not looking for, uh, you know, the approval of anyone to allow us to do what we love to do. Most people knew you from, for your roles on the big screen. I want to ask you about a couple of those, but I want to take you to the role most recently that people have noted you for. That I declare my bid for governor of New York. Your past, it needs to stay there. What you trying to say? Running for governor, your ship is going down. I ain't going down with it. Tate's portrayal of Councilman Rashad Tate on the popular series Power became a fan favorite. Lorenz joined the series in season four, and for many, his was one of those characters that you love to hate. Love him or hate him, this character connected with fans. What has television done in terms of a television character? Because I tell people, movie stars are bigger, but television characters, there's an intimacy that viewers have with a television character that they don't have with a movie character, right? I'm wondering what that's been for you. It's been amazing. Uh, I'm so grateful that uh, Courtney Kemp uh, found it in her spirit and her conscience and her mind and her pen to write this character and um, for me to breathe life into it. Um, you mentioned Amari Hartwick, who played the incredible, phenomenal ghost. Um, you know, he and I are 
like brothers. And so we wanted to work with each other. Again, we've worked on things in the past and, um, you know, to, to go in to do a television series, you know, with that group has been amazing. And you, you point out that uh, sometimes we as you know, audiences and fans, we want to connect with uh, a movie star or a movie role, but it's only for that two hours. Whereas with a character on a TV series or multiple characters in the world, you're able to have a different kind of intimate connection with them and you're closer, you're up on it, especially with technology right now. You can watch stuff on your tablet or your phone or your big screen and you're right there. And through, you know, really good writing, smart writing, um, it allows characters to develop and to manifest, to, you know, reach their full um, um, potential. You know what I mean? And I've been able to do that with the councilman Tate role, I, I actually, um, when I got um, casted to do that and brought on to do the, the role, I was brought in to do two, two to four episodes. I wasn't, I wasn't, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to uh, last that long. And I'm, and I'm happy that, you know, again, Courtney Camp, along with 50 Cent, you know, they, they thought and they saw the value. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. They value. Uh, and it wasn't about okay, let me just let us just write a, a couple scenes for Lorenz Tate and a wow factor, a cool cameo. And no, they started seeing stuff. They were looking at the you know things on on set, and they were looking at the table read. They was just peeking stuff out, and it was like okay, this might we can do something with this. And I, I'm grateful because they utilized me. They didn't underutilize me. And I see that often time. I see incredible actors and actresses and you see them and there's something that's like just for a quick little moment and then that's it. They're gone and vanish because they're being underutilized. And when, you know, I go and do a project, I want to, I want to be utilized. And yeah. they're certainly doing that and on, on, um, on the power, you know, the power universe. You know, I can rattle them off. People do this with you all the time. Girls Trip, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, Love Jones, Menace to Society, Dead Presidents. Um, you know, so many people talk about O-Dog and then a lot of women. And I've been with you when they <laughs> want you to recite the poem for <laughs> Love Jones. And you're like, Ed, I don't know that damn thing. I got to pull it up on the phone. <laughs> I got to look up the, I gotta go look up the poem on, on the internet. My favorite character was the one you played in Dead Presidents. And I'm curious, do you have one? Oh, wow, yeah. You point out some really great projects. Um, you know, a lot of those characters and a lot of those films that you mentioned are some of my favorites. Um, Dead Presidents, Anthony Curtis, The Hughes Brothers. And that movie was just so well told. The story was so well told. Um, it was definitely, it's definitely one of my favorite roles to this day. Obviously, Darius Love Hall, uh, even though sometimes, they, you know, I don't know all the, the, the you know, uh, <laughs> the words to the poem. I kind of, kind of go over it again. Every now and again, I'll, I'll just, you know, listen to it and just, okay, I remember now I got it. You know what I mean? But I think, you know, the old dog character, these are things that really made an impact um, in my career. And because of those movies, I'm able to do you know, things today because what the role or the movie or the part or the project meant to moviegoers or TV uh, watchers. I mean, it was like, you know, it's something that has sort of um, preserved <laughs> my career and it shows the value again and I just and every project is different but I, I, I always want to approach it with that kind of you know integrity like I care about it I want people to feel something whether you like the character or not you know a lot of people talk about counseling tape you know because when you think of a politician immediately the guards go up because you're just saying what is their agenda what what is the agenda of this person who is supposed to be of the people um, but, you know, there's so many empty promises and we as black folk have seen so many empty, empty promises from all kinds of politicians, all walks of life. So when I was casted to do this, I was like, I got to bring that same intensity, but like 
how do I make people want to be engaged with someone who, um, like, even if it was like a police officer, you know, we know what the, the, our relationship is a black community with the, the police department. It, it, has, it has never been good. We ain't gonna, we're not going to cap about it. We're not going to, you know, candy coat. It. It's never been good. And so, you know, how do you sort of connect with people? And with the councilman Tate role, I was like, you know, I got to walk in the room with no agenda. He just smiles. He comes in. Hey, what's going on, good brother? How you doing, sister? Oh, so good to see. You. Oh, oh, and he wants to hug the babies. I, I said, I got to find something that throws people off, right? So they're not, they don't have their guards up. Even if they got their guards up, and then, you know, he might say something that's a little funny, uh, you know, have a little hijinks moments where there's funniness and kind of quirkiness about it. I was like, that could work for, in my favor. Um, but anyway, I just try to find different kinds of things, but yeah, man, like I've been fortunate to have some really, really amazing characters and a, 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 a great, uh, deal of, of, uh, artists and creatives around me to get me to where I am. I'm truly, truly grateful, man. When we come back, Lorenz talks about his podcast series, Bronzeville, and why he and Lawrence Fishburne had to go to a podcast rather than the big screen. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Lorenz Tate is a proud Chicago native, and that was one of the reasons that bringing the series Bronzeville to fruition became so important to him. The popular podcast takes a page from the old days when radio soap operas were big entertainment. These series were the precursor to the popular daytime soap operas. The series is now in season two. Bronzeville is a, a community on the south side of Chicago where by which black folk coming from the south during the Great Migration came up to places like uh, Bronzeville, South Side of Chicago, came up to places like Detroit, mm-hmm. um, came to places like Baltimore and, and you know, uh, New York and Harlem, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, St. Louis, to find a way to achieve the American dream that was always promised to everybody except us. We were always excluded. And so um, there's a lot of history and culture and we wanted to center the story um, about uh, a community that was self-sufficient and thrived without having to lean on other communities or looking for the approval or handout from other folk. And the, the, the real genesis of it came from working on the movie Ray with the great Academy Award winning Jamie Foxx. He played Ray, I played Quincy Jones, young Quincy Jones. So, you know, it was best for me to, you know, do my research and I got a chance to spend some time with Quincy. And we spent some time at Quincy's house uh, and he's telling me, you know, all these great stories. And we got to talking about, you know, his childhood coming from Chicago before he moved west. And he talked about the South Side of Chicago and Bronzeville, where predominantly black community that was thriving, had all these great things going on. Um, but the root of sort of the economic infrastructure, infrastructure was policy. And of course, I said, well, what was policy? He says, running numbers. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. My grandparents used to talk about running numbers and all that. He says, okay, here's the deal. You know, he had, Quincy said his father worked for this you know, this really prominent family uh, called the Jones brothers, the Jones family. They were the pillars of the communities, but they ran these policy wheels, the, this what the government called a racket. Other communities, whether they was Irish or Jewish or Italian, they ran, um, they, they were bootlegging. That's how they got their communities up and run, running. And then they, they invested back into that, that community. Well, this is what the policy kings did. They ran numbers. You, you know, give, uh, a, a, you write a number down on a piece of paper at five cents to win you five dollars. So, you know, you know the whole thing, right? So um, what he was explaining to me was like years later, other communities started adopting this so-called racketeering thing, this gambling. And then eventually the government came in and took it over. And it is what today is the Illinois State Lottery. So we was doing this all, we were doing it in, in your community, we was doing it in your town, we was doing it up in, in, in uh, Harlem, we was doing it every running numbers, but we had put the money back into the community so that it was, everything was legit and legal. Well, the government didn't like that because they didn't have no money, they didn't have no connect to it. So they, they took it and made it completely illegal and they turned it what is today the lottery. So black folks have a lot to do with the you know creation or the genesis of the lottery you know because that that's how we got to together we just so people could get a better context we owned our own banks we owned our own department stores because it was segregated you spent your money in your own community so to be able to talk about a community that thrived on its own economically socially, you know, consciously, all of it. I was like, we got to tell that story, right? So fast forward, we like, okay, we got to tell the story. We want to center it around a black family. Black folks ain't running from white people. They ain't got their foot on our neck. We're dealing with social issues, but 
We wanted to tell a story of liberation and success and wealth and, and how we, what we were doing when it wasn't about social issues because a lot of black folks didn't come in contact with white people in our neighborhoods. We just didn't. And so how do we get along? We did just fine, right? So we wanted to tell a story about that. So we decided to partner up with Lawrence Fishburne, the incredible Lawrence Fishburne. He had been producing some TV shows. He's executive producer of Blackish. He and his team um, were like looking for different things to, to you know, co-produce. And so my brothers and I brought this idea to him years later after we had been trying to find a way to make it happen. But no one was listening to us. No one was listening to us in Hollywood that we were going to, again, looking for that approval. And so when we got to Fish, he was like, I love it. Of course, he played the great, bump, bump, you know, the character Bumpy Johnson in Hoodlum. So he knew all about, you know, what was going on with this. And he was like, we want to do it. It's great. So we hired the top writer. We hired all these people. We was like, listen, we're going to go to... to um, to the networks, we should do this as a TV series. This would be best told as opposed to a movie because it's, it's one and out. We need to really do this. So what we decided to do was come up with this great story uh, of a family and make it a series, almost like what The Godfather would be, right? That's what it was like, a real family and, and all these great things about it. And we went to every major network in town, in Hollywood, every major network. Uh, streaming platforms, you name it. And they love the idea. Because I walked in and was like, listen, this, this, we know it's a period piece, but it ain't about black folks in chains and running from white people and pointing the finger at white people. We talking about the liberation of what really happened. We was thriving and we wasn't really thinking about y'all, to be honest. We was doing our own thing. We want to tell that story. Everybody loved it, but they got cold feet. We were like, what's the problem? Why can't we... Well, because they all said, we're not sure if there's an audience for this kind of story to be told. I said about a black metropolis, about black folks, you know, having to hustle. But once they hustle, they turn that money into empires. They told they turned they turn it into institutions that we could utilize. Why wouldn't you want to tell that? Yeah, well, we're just not sure if it's an audience. Oh, it's not an audience for your network and your people that you want to watch because you don't that you don't think it'll appeal to them. So all of them passed. Every last network, cable company, streaming network, all passed. I can't say the names, but I'm telling all of them. I just said it, all of them passed. So we said, how do we do this? We're not going to give up. And in the spirit of our community and black folks not giving up because someone told us no. We were like, how can we do this? And the podcast space was just starting to really kind of pick up, but no one was really doing series, theater of the mind, radio shows that you were saying that people would listen to back in the days, turn on the, the, their radio, and they would just listen to a movie as opposed to watch it. They would listen to a TV series as opposed to watching because they didn't have those you know, tools to, to watch movies or television. So we was like, we're going to do that and we're going to approach it with the top quality. We're going to make it like a TV show. So we got the great writers and we got the right sound um, uh, folk to come in, real experts in that area of sound design. And we wanted to get quality actors and actresses so between myself and Lawrence Fishburne, we was just literally calling my brother, Laurent Mark, we was just calling everybody saying, this is a labor of love. We're going to make a audio series. We're going to do 10 episodes and it's going to be fantastic. And when our friends started reading the scripts and, and looking, they were like, yo, how do we do this? We said, you guys, all y'all have to do is show up to a soundstage and we have the top of the line recording equipment. It's going to be five of us in a room. Lawrence Fishburne is going to direct some episodes. I'm going to direct some episodes. And what we're going to do is perform this like a play, like a stage play. We're going to feed off of each other. We're going to, we're going to interact. So we would stand in front of like a little microphone. So I'm here. You're there. We're doing our little thing. We're doing our performance. And it's real. And it's coming to life. And we're like, yo, this is crazy. 
Now, this uh, Manetti, what's his play? Ah, oh, he's just trying to learn all he can. No harm there. Well, you be careful. I'm no fool. I'm not telling him anything he couldn't figure out by looking. All right, then. All right. Say, what do you hear from your sister? Who, Lisa? Sure, she's good, you know. She's just graduating college next week, degree in economics. Damn, they grow up fast, don't they? Yeah, they do. Now have her come see me when she's done. I'll set her up at the bank. You know, Curtis, thank you. Listen, thank you, man. No need to thank me. Lisa's smart as hell. I want her working for me. You and your brothers did a good job keeping her out of the business. Yeah, she's going to be the future. Kids like her, that's why we're doing all this in the first place, you know? For the good of the race. Good of the race, my ass. Our mother made it clear she didn't want any of that. And you remember my mama. I do. I do. And we said, there's a strategy behind it. This does well, it will be a proof of content. I mean, content that, you know, we are on to something. So we finally were able to do this and release it in 2017, season one. Ten episodes. Each of them are about 40 minutes. And we're giving it to the public for free. There's no cost. Just listen to it and enjoy and take a moment. Just listen and imagine that you're in the 1940 Southside Chicago, of a black metropolis, all the stuff that's going on in there. Man, to this day, we got 20, over 20 million downloads and counting. Uh, now, it is set up at a major um, studio as well as a major network. So Bronzeville, the actual TV series that you will actually see is in the works. In the meantime, we wanted to do another season of this project. So season two was something that we wanted to give to all of our listeners and everybody who um, listened to the audio series over the last you know, few years. We wanted to give them something more to, to hold them um, hold on to until we get to this TV series. And we're, we're working on that. Uh, all, all those things out right now. We're seeing more opportunity over the last two years. I don't think it's altruistic. We know that it's the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor pressure oh, yeah. that came from all of that. But how much do you believe? And, and look, we, we just saw um, a number of deals from African-Americans, good lucrative deals signed. Jamie just Signed one, Issa Rae just signed one. There are people out there, but I concern myself whether or not it's going to be those blips on the radar screens. You know, like you said, we're going to pick three or four of y'all to make some money and give y'all some projects, but the rest of y'all, it stays the same. Where do you sit with this sense of Hollywood finally seeing us? Do you believe they're finally seeing us, or do you think that this is just the pressure of, of what society has put on? white America in general, not just in Hollywood, but just across the board? I think it's all of it. I think it's all of it. And I got to say that it goes even beyond um, Hollywood. You know, there's been a lot of stuff that we've been saying for so long and they have now had to, you know, the world has had to, to look at and really hear and listen to what we've been saying so long you know when you hear of a black man or a black woman or a black child being violated by the authority or the people who are supposed to protect you we've been saying that for so long but it seems like it falls on deaf ears or it might be exaggerating because it doesn't happen to them Mm -hmm. right until you have to really see it and when you see it how it makes us feel versus other folk the, the, the guilt they then begin to justify the atrocities. It's sickening. It's sickening. It's sickening. And so, um, you know, I think that, you know, listen, man. Since we, since we, since we've been here, just based on history that I've seen and studied, you know, black folks have been bred to suffer peacefully. You suffer the atrocities, but do it peacefully. Don't kick up no dust. And if you do kick up some dust, what we'll do is give them just enough to quiet them down, but not enough to make a difference, a real difference. And I think that's what we we see. And I think where the real change and the real inclusion will happen is it's great to have these deals. We love them. We have a deal. It's great. 
but it really is about who's in those rooms. Because the truth of the matter is, if there were Ed Gordon in that room, when Lawrence Fishburne, the great Lawrence Fishburne, his team, myself, my team, all the, the writers and all the things that you would need to you know, get a project done, you were in that room at those networks. And we came in and we said, hey, we want to tell a story about a community that was self-sufficient and it thrived and it had it. This was the root of so it's gonna be some 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 racketeering crime element, but then you're gonna see how they prevail, how they blew. I already know what you would do. You would say, um, okay, and it's Lawrence Fishburne, you can get everybody, and it's not just black cast, we're gonna get everybody. You know how many people Lawrence Fishburne's work with? You know how many people I've worked? You know what all the people that have been in this project, who we're gonna go get? you would automatically say, why haven't we done it already? And how many years can we get to do this? There will be an audience. And if, if there's not an audience, we're going to find one because we do it with all these other projects. There lies the issue. We need people that look like us who have experienced things that we have experienced and have our sensibilities in the rooms making the decision. And we don't need just one representation. We need a combination of us in those rooms and we've earned it. It's not about us asking. We've earned it. What I mean by earned it, you talk about all these great people that came before us. We've earned it. But on top of it, the, the people, the audiences, you know how many, you know how much money black folks have spent on entertainment? You know how much we have consumed projects that don't include us? We, 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 the biggest consumers in the country. We consume everything that we don't even produce. We have earned that right based on what we paid for to sit at the table. And there is where the real change will happen. And it's just not, you know, a couple of deals that's thrown to the Tate brothers or thrown to Issa, thrown, you know, all around. We're going to have real infrastructure. And I know what, you know, people who have these deals, they go, they, listen, they want to make it, they understand. They understand. You know what I mean? They really want to make it happen for us all. And I'll, I'll leave with well, this thing in mind. I always judge how people not treat me or you, but how they treat our people. How people see us as a group and ultimately how we see ourselves. It's really important because we can pluck Michael Jordan and Oprah and LeBron and, you know, all these wonderful people, Michelle and and Barack Obama and what they've been able to accomplish and and do. And for those who sort of are at the uh, so-called, you know, hierarchy of this cast that I believe that we were in, this cast system that we're in, you know, they'll say, well, wait, you got Barack Obama. You got Oprah Winfrey. But what about Oprah Winfrey's people? She good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Michael Jordan are good. We're talking about their people from North Carolina. We're talking about the people from Chicago. What about them? Oh, well, they didn't make it out like them because, they, you know, these people are special. No, 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 no. We got a lot of great doctors and lawyers on the south side of Chicago that have not had the opportunity or the pathways. We got a ton of people coming from, you know, you know, the South that are, you know, great singers and artists and tech savvy people, but they don't have a lot of times they don't have the opportunity, the same opportunities, equal opportunities in a real way, because look at who's hiring everybody, who's running these tech companies, who's running the entertainment industry. They don't, it's not, it's not, it's not an even playing field. And we need to even that out. But I'm grateful for what we what we have and what's going on. But there needs to be more. Bronzeville, the podcast season number two is out now. Wherever we like to say you listen to your podcast, and we'll be looking for hopefully either a series or a movie or something that we can see of Bronzeville as it is in the at least development stages as we speak. Hey, bro, I ain't even gonna say it. You know I love you, man. And always good to see you. I love you too, brother. You know it, man. I appreciate you, King. Blessings to you and the man. 
Again, a big thanks to my brother Lorenz. Season two of Bronzeville is now available wherever you listen to podcasts. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.